Cinema Spectator, a movie podcast, is produced because of listeners like you. If you want to support our show, you can share it, give us a rating on iTunes, and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ecfsproductions, where you can throw a couple dollars our way and get access to our exclusive content. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, directed by Peter Jackson, starring Elijah Wood and Viggo Mortensen. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? I'm so full. I'm so yeah. full of Lord of the Rings, and I'm so full of turkey still. <laughs> I just never realized, I guess, when you get older, that Thanksgiving meal just kind of sticks with you you know you have no, it's true thursday friday leftovers saturday le- i really engorged on the uh leftovers you know i just kind of had thanksgiving over and over again and um i uh i <laughs> last night i was like this is the last plate i'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go for it you know yeah it's and, too uh, much i mean honestly it's too much for me it's very like carbo loaded Oh yeah, uh, meal. You know, it's all grains, <laughs> potatoes, grains. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. Very starchy meal. I was just looking at those leftovers, and I was like, "Let's be done with it once and for all." <laughs> you know, I was like, "I have to. I have. They have to be gone." Uh, just like I Sam saw on said. the news. On the news, there was a segment that was like, "Experts say." That your Thanksgiving leftovers should be tossed tonight. <laughs> it's like, okay. Wow. Well. Lots going on in the world, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or maybe too news. much going on in the world. I just don't want you to know about it. You know? I'm glad that you consulted the experts for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cameron, it was a great holiday. We apologized mm. for the delay on this episode. We actually watched the movie on time. I just... We did. I was left with a critical decision. I told Cameron, I said... You know, I could hang out with some friends and family who are in town that are never here, or I could record the show. And I think the right thing to do is see the people that are never here. So I I appreciate everybody being flexible. We put a post up on there and everything uh, on our Patreon and I think a story on our Instagram. um, If you're looking for updates on when we're posting and everything like that. But did you have a good holiday overall, Cameron? I did. It was very busy. We had a big agenda, but you know, overall, it went pretty well. Um, yeah, my my brother uh, came to town and hanging out all weekend. So yeah, no, it was it was it was a good time. Good, good. I yeah, I, mine was uh, with my parents and family. I had some friends come back into town. We're doing Christmas um, up up in the Sacramento area with Juliana's family. So yeah. it was kind of like a, we, we were kind of switching this year what we did last year. Um, yeah. So lots of time with my family. It was good. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm feeling very full. But I will say, you know, the, the bird, uh, whether it's turkey or chicken, I w- I've been into it, you know. Mm. And today I was texting you right before recording the show. <laughs> I tried to cook a whole turkey I've ne- or a whole chicken. I've never done that. Usually, you know, you get either just breasts or thighs, and that's pretty easy. 
I was sorely mistaken. I was not prepared for this. I didn't realize how long it was going to take to cook through a whole bird. Uh, it was uh, really yeah, stressing right. me out. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> it kept taking longer and longer. My thermometer wasn't working. You know, it was just, it was a nightmare. Uh, and I think I'm done with birds for a long time. Mm. Mm. You know, fish, here I come. Cows, the other thing, watch out. Th- I know, you know, we were kind of texting back and forth, uh, you know, about best ways to do it. Um, For one, yeah, cooking a whole chicken, a whole turkey, especially probably more so. um, It's a it's kind of intensive. You do have to plan for it. Um, I was going to suggest and this is something that you could try next time if you want to do it this way. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of spatchcocking. But that's basically taking out the spine and laying the, the chicken flat. It makes things much easier if you want to roast it that way. So Yeah, I um, did I did see something about that for the turkey. I kinda wanna try that next year, but I think here's my goal. If you're like somebody that wants to cook the turkey perfectly, um I I believe this next year I'm going to a continually attempt to get better at the chicken. If mm-hmm. I can master the chicken, I could probably do the turkey. Mm. I just need to invest in a battery for my digital thermometer. Yeah. I, I was, yeah. I was left in this predicament, you know, I'm in, I'm in the, the, the drug store. I don't remember what size those little round batteries are. There's like a thousand sizes of them. <laughs> and right next to it is a, a full size metal thermometer that takes no battery. And the, uh, the apocalypse doomsday prepper in me is like, I'll take the one that doesn't have the battery. It's a huge mistake. Huge mistake. <laughs> I should have just went with the battery. Um, yeah, you got to get an instant read thermometer. Yeah. Actually, the best ones are probes. That's that's the that's the way to go. If you're if we're roasting something, anyways, this is two in the weeds. Why are we? Yeah, talking what are about we even talking? We're we're like you know this is uh, what Sam was dreaming about on his way. Potatoes. To that's right. Are you? Uh, did you watch any movies uh, this week with all the family time and everything? Um, I did. I watched as a uh, Christmas tradition. We always start a Christmas movie on Thanksgiving. Um, sometimes we finish it. Sometimes we all fall asleep. Um, this year we put on, uh, the Santa Claus, which I think is a great movie. Um, I, like kind of unironically, it starts off really bad and I think it ends really bad, but the middle section is gold. It's really funny. Uh, Tim Allen is hilarious. Uh, there, there are just some killer lines. He's making fun of, uh, you know, the, the, ex-wife's new husband you know it's just it's just a funny movie just just all around good times um i was kind of hoping to watch home alone though that was my vote this year but they couldn't find uh they couldn't put disney plus on the tv for some reason so we isn't that that's always a family nightmare somebody trying to sign into their streaming service i know it's just a nightmare and like their tv like couldn't get disney plus it it could only get netflix for some reason i don't know that was ridiculous. So we opted for a DVD copy of the Santa Claus, um, nice. which reminded me, I, I don't know if I've ever talked about this, but um, were you a fan of Home Improvement as a as a kid? Uh, is that the sitcom show? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I didn't watch it. I never. Watched oh, it, man. So. Home Improvement was one of those shows that for good. I mean, it was probably my junior high and high school. That was like a religious show for me. Like I watched mm. I, I would watch the reruns. I just loved Home Improvement. And now it's been like so long um, that I don't even remember like the show anymore. So I kind of have an inkling to rewatch it because I remember it being really funny. But maybe it's bad. Maybe it's not good. 
Um, I just, yeah, it just reminded me of that. Hmm. Um, and then what else? I think that was all. Uh, yeah, just just starting the the Christmas movie season. Are you guys like a Christmas movie fan? Like, you know, your family, do they watch Christmas movies or anything? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I just I don't remember the last time I actually watched one with them. Um, I don't remember the last time I watched a movie with my family <laughs> in forever, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was kind of weird, actually, because my dad has that nice theater screen and whatnot. But usually it's like the guys would want to watch something and the girls would want to watch something else. So I, I don't know. It's It's been a long time. I think we watched some Christmas movies last Christmas Eve, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Um, but other than that, I don't remember last time I watched a movie with my family, which um, just funny. For um, Juliana's family, it doesn't matter what holiday. It's We always end up watching Borat or something like that. <laughs> something ridiculous. That's like the tradition, which is yeah. hilarious. Uh, and for some reason, that movie is now a Christmas movie in my mind. Or it's a holiday movie because of that tradition. Um, yeah, I'm a big Home Alone fan. I could always watch Home Alone. I just, John Williams' score is like totally worth it. And uh, I think it's it does a lot of setup. Uh, that makes it a lot of fun. Other than that, you know, I'm with uh, Elf. I'll always be like, I don't want to watch this, and it's always better than uh, what I remember. Um, yeah, the, yeah. The rest... I, Elf uh, is one of those movies that was played so often in like for me growing up that like I never really want to put it on, but it is funny. I do. I do agree. I just wonder why somebody's not going for the Christmas classic anymore. You know, is there no profit in that? I feel like there's got to be profit in it. Um, well, there there have been a couple like Christmas movies. I think we're just old, so we we don't. It's not like marketed to us anymore. I don't know if you saw Klaus. Klaus was one of those that really was good, um, and you know, very enjoyable. Uh, that came out a couple years ago, but. The um, only ones that I, I mean, I saw a violent night, which was <laughs> a little pretty packed, pretty, pretty packed theater. But again, that's like, that felt like I wouldn't watch that as a kid, you know, like it wasn't a yeah. family movie. Same with yeah. Krampus. I wanted to watch Krampus really bad. Uh, I watched some of it and it was hilarious. I loved it. Uh, again, it's a horror movie, so not really quite for the family. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was, I thought it was funny nonetheless. But, you know, so much of, uh, yeah, I guess I haven't seen Klaus. So much of modern, like, there's not a lot of, like, modern holiday, holiday, like, kind of stars. Like, where's the, I don't know. Like, you look at, like, Scrooge, right? It's like a big actor behind kind of a satirical comedy role. Can kind of work for the whole family with a little bit of an edge. Um you know, uh, like Christmas Vacation. My family loves Christmas Vacation. That's one that like I always end up watching. Feels like, um, but I just wonder where like that. Uh, who is that comedic role? Like, where's the Pete Davidson Christmas movie? <laughs> Christmas you know? movie. Yeah, it is weird. They, I think, comedies have kind of there's there's. It used to be like one of those things where you would do like your comedies throughout the year and then you'd do like 
a, a family movie or something, you know, you would like throw one in with a, with a theater or, or with a studio to just do a, you know, family friendly movie. I just don't know if that's, that's the business model anymore. I don't think it works that well anymore. Um, like getting big stars to do that. Um, cause I think streaming is just, I think it's flooded, flooded that low budget market in some ways. Mm. So there's so many low budget Christmas movies. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I just wonder, I mean, like, uh, there was that, um, it's kind of like that raunchy comedy movie, uh, that came out. I don't know if it was this year or the other year. Um, with uh jennifer lawrence you know what i'm talking about yeah um, um i forget what it's called uh no hard feelings yeah seeing that i was like this feels like a very old kind of movie and right I think it's it, the i, I think it's it like the wayans brother kind of style of making movies like or like the we were talking today about um you know the um what's his face <laughs> the guy who made tropic thunder um yeah. Ben Stiller, like the Ben yeah. Stiller type of movie. Exactly. Yeah. But I feel like some of those those actors are still around or there's opportunity for them. I mean, I would watch a movie with Owen Wilson if it had a good pitch, you know. You got to you still have to do like you got to have like the family elements, kind of the outlandish comedy aspect. I mean, if you watch Scrooge, right, they do it like sort of in that it's like the modern corporate life advertising. Like it's like capitalism. You've got a little bit of that like <laughs> spin on it. Right. Um, Cause every, I think you works for advertising, right. On TV stations and whatnot. So there's like sort of that fun setup. Um, it's like pretty easy to follow. I just think that um, I think there's room for, for something else, mm. you know, um, you know, what's on. kind of an underrated Christmas movie, something that isn't thought of as a Christmas movie, hmm. um, but maybe should be uh, the apartment. Oh. All those things happen around the Christmas party, uh, you know, and like into New Year's, like it's kind of the end of the year thing. I feel like, I don't know, the apartment is a Christmas movie. Maybe it is. I don't I, I didn't think about it that way, but um, you might be right. I guess I mean there is I've there's a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special I see on here. That feels like the Star Wars special for some reason, but I heard it was good. I heard the the holiday special was good. Um so well maybe, anyways, maybe I'm just not tuned into it or I'm not the target audience, but yeah. Well, I I guess I could still wish, you know. Um <laughs> Yeah, I haven't I haven't watched too much just uh, been watching like Meet the Parents with Juliana. Um, we watched one of the movies and then we kind of skimmed through the other two or three or however many there are. Uh, and then we watched a bit of um, Day After Tomorrow. We were talking about it as we got lunch today. Uh, and I was saying like it was one of those high budget disaster movies that doesn't really seem to exist anymore. The The only one I can think of outside of that, I can look up the day after tomorrow like budget this is a 2004 film um but maybe like there was like a monster sort of push with godzilla i know the godzilla reboot movie looked pretty good um but day after tomorrow love the poster for this movie i think it looks really great 
And um, over, it says $125 million budget. Seems pretty high mm-hmm. for a disaster movie. Um, yeah, I was watching it. It was pretty, pretty all right, you know. But it seemed to be the peak of, of uh, kind of the, the disaster thing. Um, I guess maybe you could also say 2012 was huge. What's the what's the budget on that? I forgot about 2012. 200 million. Wow. Yeah, I feel like there was a um, probably day after tomorrow was like one of the big ones, but there was a a string of the big budget disaster movies. Um, like in the early CG era. Um, I don't know. I, I, I never really liked them or cared for them at all. I, I've never seen uh, Day After Tomorrow. So, Well, the thing I really wanted to mention about it after watching it was it, was in, it, looked, in, it looked pretty great uh, for what it was in 2004. I felt like when I watched 2012, it was hilariously bad looking. Um, you know, you can say, oh, watch Moonfall or a geostorm or whatever. I just was surprised that day after the tomorrow didn't look even worse than it did when I watched it. And I was like, maybe there, maybe this was when disaster movies had a bright future and that just doesn't seem to exist anymore. So, uh, interesting watch, been watching some TV, but other than that, just, um, spending last weekend, um, or last, last weekend watching return of the King and it's four and a half hour extended, uh, <laughs> cut i think cameron it's probably time to dig into it i want to give it enough time i think we've uh lagged enough mm. if you enjoy the show you can support us at patreon.com slash ecfs productions throw a couple of dollars our way get an exclusive commentary track or episode uh we release them all for our patrons to listen to on the backlog you can get our fellowship at the ring commentary i would say the first hour of the commentary is worth listening to even if you're not watching it with us and a bunch of other content that's on there. Uh, if you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. We appreciate you just being here, hanging out with us, listening to the show, giving us a rating helps, sharing it with friends and family. We just thank you for spending time listening to to, an, to two of us friends uh, chat about movies, especially this trilogy. This one's so important uh, to me. And closing it off with Return of the King, I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is the real deal. You know, this is as great as mm-hmm. I remember, Cameron. Give us a little context. Give us your thoughts revisiting this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I always knew in my mind this was like my favorite of the trilogy, though it's kind of hard to justify because when you think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, this movie is so long. It's 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 OK. To be fair, it says four and a half hours or whatever, but it's really like four hours, 10 minutes. Okay. It's not that that there's like 25 minutes of credits. Okay. So yeah, you know, um, but still four hours is an intensely long movie. Um, but really, you know, one, one thing that I appreciate about it, I guess is, um, especially in the extended cut and, you know, with all the extra, scenes and you know everything going on i do feel like it has a um it still has a really good pace i think even at at four hours you know everything happens in this you know it doesn't feel condensed it doesn't feel like things are like are you know too rushed at this point which a lot of thirds um get this problem where they get too big 
they try to do too many things and then you know they end up rushing uh half the story because they're like oh we gotta wrap this up really quick um to me that's what makes this you know one of the most successful i think this is probably the best third movie of any trilogy um that i can think of but i think i think what makes it most successful is just how well structured the movie is um you know you you forget but you know i always think about she and opening with i always think of that that that's like the beginning of the movie you know because uh, it's supposed to be like that's where they're going in in the end of the last movie but that's not till like halfway through the movie you know they they really don't have to you know rush through things with its extended pace um and then you know for like when i when I haven't seen the movie in a, in a long time, I'm always like, oh, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of stuff in that movie. You know, it's exhausting. It's you know, you're sitting there for four hours or whatever. Um, but then when I actually watch it, I think it really is my favorite um, to actually like sit through and watch. It feels the most satisfying for some reason to me. And there's something very like. You know, it. It has the the great adventure. It has the great uh, sort of, you know, battle sequences and action sequences that you're looking for. Um, and then at the end, you know, it has a really uh, beautiful and poetic sentimentality to it, too. Um, so I don't know. I, I think we're, we've been kind of you and I, I think, have been dreading it a little bit just because of its um size and yeah no you know it's it's the end of the trilogy and it kind of uh you can you can get exhausted by it i think um but i truly enjoyed my experience watching it through this time i watched it all all the way through in in one day um and i just i was left really really impressed by um not just the detail around you know the the sets and and the camera work and the art direction. Um, but really just, I, I'm, I was impressed by the translation to the screen and how well they actually made it feel like, um, you're watching a big movie, a big epic movie, you know, like that's, that's super impressive. Um, I don't know. It, it, it kind of, it actually kind of blew my mind a little bit, uh, re revisiting it this time. Um, I don't know about you, but yeah, I was, um, extremely shocked with how much I love this movie watching it again. I knew I enjoyed it as a Lord of the Rings fan. Um, but when I revisited it, I was like, yeah, this is going to be tough to get through. I know this is a long film. Um, it's indulgent and, uh, it really, does it really kind of marinates uh, and and it it does that at the end of its of the trilogy too <laughs> yeah. which i was like that seems exhaustive we've been watching these movies every weekend right it's it's like to watch this one i'm i i i, I was not looking forward to it too much um but i was it really won me over uh, viewing it. And by the end, I was 
crying, which I don't cry in movies. And I think that just makes me like even more impressed because I've seen this movie before. Uh, I've now been inundated by so many different films uh, that Cameron's made me watch. Some of them that have, you know, made me choke up a little bit, um, but nothing that has hit me the way that this movie did. Mm. Um, it honestly, its ending uh, hits on like something in a Pixar level. I, I don't know how it does it, but it it's cutting in um, to something very human, something very nostalgic. And it's like hopeful, but sad at the same time. So it's like a, it just kind of blends into this thing. And it brought up a lot of emotion for me about um, just people in my life that I've lived with for a while. Um, You know, just Sam and Frodo, their relationship. I'm like, okay, I have a brother. It kind of feels like something like this is going to happen to me in the future, you know? Something about saying goodbye when you're not ready to yet, right? Mm-hmm. After going through so much. Um, but actually what what genuinely broke me uh, was um, Bilbo, surprisingly. Uh, that, is the, that is the moment that really um, crushed me. It reminded me a lot of my, um, my grandmother who had passed away. Very adventurous person. Um, very spirited. And, um, it was weird. I think his final words about saying, well, I guess I am ready for an adventure. It was like, there was something very spiritual about watching that where I'm like, oh, like, um, wow. Like my grandma was gone. I saw her at her lowest, you know, um, but she's gonna, she's, I have hope that she's going to stand up straight and be off on another adventure, you know, Mm. um, and yeah, I mean, I was, I was like, I was like crying to Juliana afterwards. She was like, what is happening? You know, like <laughs> just watch that nerdy movie. Um, yeah. But she was, uh, very, very gracious to me as I kind of talked through my emotions and whatnot. But I was like, I just can't believe that this movie, um, about dwarves and whatnot was able to hit on stuff like that for me. It like had a new meaning, a new life on this viewing that I mm. really didn't expect. It like came out of nowhere for me. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it makes it one of the greats. I mean, when I watched it when I was younger, um, I felt some sort of weird emotion around nostalgia and loss and things like that. Um, but it just sank a lot more than on this viewing. Yeah. Um and then as far as the rest of the thrill ride, right? What I want to mention or what I want to sort of hit on is is that this trilogy does something um by differentiating its like difficulty level uh, as you go through the trilogies. So, mm-hmm. yeah. it's like the first movie is very like it's a great movie through and through just because it is a great movie. Sure, there's a there's a fantasy setting but I think it's like you 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 can watch it and not really be into all the geeky stuff. And I feel like there's still something there for you that you can view and appreciate as an audience member. Um, I feel like the second movie is the quintessential Lord of the Rings movie. You know, hopefully the first one made you a fan. If it didn't, you're not going to really love the second one too much, right? Uh, the second one is like, this is a perfectly structured Lord of the Rings movie. It's kind of the way that people view um, 
like a new hope in my mind where it's like that lays the structure for what uh this kind of movie is star wars mm. you know you have the setup they go on a journey uh and or it's like the hero's journey thing i feel like the two towers does like multiple heroes journeys with a big payoff at the end and then return of the king is like the gluttony of lord of the rings where it's like okay you're a fan this is going to be overwhelming uh it's going to be so much lord of the rings and we are just gonna bask in it like that that is like what we're here for um and i think that's why we were probably both sort of dreading it because as like people that watch movies and review them it's like man i don't know if we can be as forgiving uh, at this point as a yeah. casual love it but my goal on this viewing was like i know i love these movies let me try to like sort of view them in a more critical eye um i'm yeah i think that there's some cheese in this movie like sort of like what do you think believe in your heart and stuff or some of all the the various side quests can get a little bit uh bogged down but i actually thought that this movie was a was a lot um more lean than I expected, even though it has this massive runtime and the reason it feels that way. And the reason that this movie is the greatest end to a trilogy is that it has a very unconventional, unconventional structure by putting its largest battle at the beginning. Right. So it has like this explosive trilogy payoff and then it shrinks in size. What it, it, it does this thing where it's like, there's the battle against good and evil, and then it becomes this interpersonal battle between good and evil. And the fallout, mm-hmm. like everything gets very personal towards the end, um, which is what I think, I think that's what fans of like, that are on a journey through a trilogy need. That's what they want. It's why I think I loved the direction of the Infinity War uh, movies, because it starts with that explosive battle and I was like, great, now we're going to have so much time with um, these characters now that they've sort of been stripped back and down. And I think it it does a great job. If, if Infinity War was an extended edition, just a single movie, it does do that. Um, what it what it slips up with, in my belief, is, is that end confrontation uh, is kind of excessive in a way. Uh, it's like it wants to do the battle again when really i think all we needed was a smaller thing it's like they couldn't commit you know there's there's a moment in infinity war where it creates this there's this huge battle that happens right at the end of part two um and then they bring it down to just like thanos iron man captain america and thor Do you, you know what i mean like it's like yeah. those original guys and it's like it could have just been like that it could have just been the small personal side for a second right yeah i think that's like what it in in a way that's kind of what it needed um and yeah i think that that's what makes this movie shine so much i mean all the characters get a bunch of screen time they have their heroic moments Uh, we're introduced to new characters in this movie um, (laughs) yeah which which is pretty out there it's pretty um i think it's, it's pretty uh I, I don't know. I, I, I thought that like the way that they gave the screen time in this film, um, I was surprised by mm. uh, the time with Denethor. He has a lot of screen time uh, in this Tons movie and he is great in it. He's, he, I think he adds a lot to 
um, the setup and the hopelessness that Gondor faces, um, more time with, I, I was, I, again, I had forgotten even from, uh, the two towers, I had forgotten, uh, the time with Theoden. Theoden has a good amount of screen time in this movie that I, I had forgotten about. Um, and, um, the new, the, the, there's a new general bad guy, you know, yes, um, yeah. who also gets a ton of screen time. Yes. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, Again, I thought that Legolas and Gimli were going to be annoying in this movie. Um, they weren't. They were not at all right where they needed to be. I was kind of. I was like, why didn't I remember them as being obnoxious? I think something's happening with the Hobbit trilogy where it's bleeding in. Something about Legolas in the <laughs> Hobbit trilogy is bleeding into my memory of that. Yeah, Eowyn, even like even the stunts and like the kind of goofy stuff that that happens in both this movie and Two Towers. Um, I think it's just fun, you know, him taking yeah. down the Oliphants and him, you know, riding around on shields and stuff like all that stuff. I think actually, honestly, really works well. You know, it's it doesn't feel that over the top, whereas like the Hobbit stuff feels absolutely ridiculous, you know? <laughs> yeah, I just remember the um, the scene where he takes down um, the Oliphant or Eliphant or whatever. Um I remember seeing that and being like, okay, this is, this is like goofy CG video game moment. Um, but in watching the choreography on this viewing, I was like, this is still engaging. I mean, they yeah. kind of set it up where he's like climbing up each thing. And then the way that he holds the strap as the, the huge like cockpit thing falls off the side, yeah. and he uses it for leverage to go up the, the, the elephant. I was like, this is kind of, I mean, I, I was kind of still into it. At least it wasn't him being like, uh, you know, just shooting people without even looking at them. You know, <laughs> there's not a lot of like moments where he like just throws a knife behind him and like gets a headshot or whatever. Um, he has his moments, but they feel like, even though it was CG, it felt more like a John Wick choreographed moment than a, mm. uh, than an obnoxious, like, I am the best hero ever and I just beat everybody because I can, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The only overpowered thing is, uh, Aragorn's army of the dead, which I don't remember enjoying that too much, but I think it serves as a, a critical sort of character moment for Aragorn as he's sort of like trying to figure out, where he's supposed to go, he's taking up the mantle. Um, it's a very positive and honorable representation of of like some masculinity in in movies. And I think I really love the part where the King of the Dead is like, "You swore this oath, like we did what you wanted." Yeah, and he's kind of like left with a moment of like, "Ooh, we could probably use these guys for a little longer," you know, <laughs> like that 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 sort of sets through. Um, well, I will say just as a, as a side note on this sequence, I think, I do think I'm a little conflicted because I, I do think that sequence inside the cave with him talking to the King and blah, blah, blah. I think it's probably one of my least favorite sequences in the whole trilogy, mm -hmm. um, for a number of reasons, um, one because i don't think it looks all that great um yeah like, looking JPEG. back JPEG it's, it's just it, it i don't know it just is like 
the it doesn't yeah it doesn't look that great i don't like the set i think the set is super uncreative um it goes kind of indiana jones for a second I don't know yeah what's going on like all the that. skills like yeah i mean it's not it's not bad you know but i i do like it's it's where i always kind of zone out a little bit um and also i think weirdly it is kind of a break in the pace of the mm-hmm. movie um it feels like it really slows down that that whole sequence. Um, whereas, like I, I've heard the argument that um, from the um, f- from the uh, the theatrical cut, um, you know, he go they go in, they go in through the mist, and then you know that's kind of a a great appearance where all the army of the dead come out of the boat. You know, they don't they don't spend that time in the in the cave in the theatrical cut so i wonder if that makes things better but i do agree with you that it is kind of an interesting moment of him taking up the mantle i think it's i think it is the first moment maybe the second moment where he takes out the blade of isildur um and he kind of claims the throne like this is like one of the things that he's um stepping up to be in this movie mm-hmm. um so it is a big kind of character moment i just wish it was done a little bit better i think i think for me i don't know it's not it's not my favorite sequence i i probably agree with its removal for the for the theatrical cut but yeah yeah it seems a little out of place the set and everything and most of the dialogue is kind of goofy with gimli uh being like i don't know what <laughs> you know he's stepping yeah, on yeah. skulls and things like that and <laughs> blowing the the ghost mist out of the way um because it's indulgent uh with the uh with this long cut i found that time with the characters to be pleasant and enjoyable um it's yeah i think that's still a positive for me that i wasn't waiting for it to be over mm-hmm. um and I was really surprised I didn't have that emotion through it. I think that the siege of Gondor in my head when I was younger was so long and so epic and it took up so much time of the movie. Yeah. And on this viewing, I was like, wait, it's over. How is it over already? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, there's so much that happens with uh, Frodo and Sam with the the spider and then dressing up as those, those different, um, orcs and whatnot and the whole thing where they're trying to make their way um without Gollum and Gollum's betrayal and all that I I don't know there's there's so much going on there that um I I was just really drawn into I completely forgot about um the the tower where Frodo gets captured um I thought the scene where they all kind of fight and beat each other up was goofy and um but again, the biggest thing with this movie for me was that I was like, I thought there were going to be parts that I was bored or I was wanting it to be over. And instead I just kind of enjoyed it, which yeah. I didn't expect to have that uh, experience. Yeah. And then for it to punch me in the emotions at the end uh, so intensely after I've seen this movie multiple times, I was like, how, how can it do that? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, no, it's interesting what you say about like the siege of Gondor being so long because I agree. I feel like, you know, in my head, that's like half the movie. Um, but it, you know, truly it's it's not all that 
I mean, it is still a long sequence. It's probably 30, 45 minutes. Um, but it's not that long comparatively. And I think, I think like, um, like the Helm's Deep sequence is probably similarly, um, you know, similarly long. Um, and I, I, to me, I mean, obviously Helm's Deep is, is really interesting and it's, it's fun. It's a great, you know, fight sequence. It's a great, like final last stand, you know, we're at the end of the rope, um, sequence, which this has elements of too, but, um, in some ways I love the, I love all the things going on in this, you know, in this sequence, there's so many different moments of, of like, you know, the, the politics with Denethor. Um, I love the open, you know, them opening with like throwing the heads over, over the wall. Oh yeah. So cool. Um, you know, and then the back and forth between, um, between Mary and, um, or is it Pippin? It's Pippin. Um, between Pippin and uh, and Gandalf and the the sort of you know uh, trying and then the reflections with Mary you know on the other side of of him wanting to fight and Pippin being scared you know I I just love there's like so many interesting threads throughout this whole battle that it's like an amazing centerpiece you know mm. it really is it's it's a great way to set up all of these different things with the characters and then the the Rohan you know um them lighting the torches i i've always loved it's always been one of my favorite sequences yep. um you know and the the call of rohan to help gondor like there's just so many there's so many moments that give this battle sequence a little bit more depth to me than helm's deep um you know just because it's so it feels so big and grand it feels like a I don't know. It it just there's there's something to it that is is disproportionately like epic feeling, um, I guess. Yeah, I think it's um there there's just so much to love. I, I'm now as you're talking through different parts of the movie, whether it's uh like you said, the the lighting moment just makes me feel very like giddy like oh my goodness like i love this part with the music and howard shore <laughs> yeah. really showing off um to the part where denethor's eating the grapes and he's singing and like yeah so the, slo- <laughs> the slow-mo with the the uh, nazgul flying in is like, oh my goodness this is so epic right <laughs> uh and then you know the like the huge switch up moments in the battle from um gandalf trying to encourage hope in the Gondor soldiers who are just very, uh, first of all, their armor is great. Right. But they are, they are just clearly underprepared, under encouraged. They well, and just... Denethor comes out. He says, abandon your post. Yeah. yeah. Where, <laughs> where like Gondor is lost, you know, and he, and Gandalf, you know, whips him, but, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Like I love Denethor is like one of my favorite all time favorite lord of the rings character oh, he yeah. truly is like the most spineless um and weak you know of of the i i think like tolkien in some ways like he 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 writes a lot of characters based on sort of like archetypes or like maybe things that he's personally experienced 
And I kind of feel like Denethor is like he he knows some commanders who are like Denethor. You know what I mean? He knew, yeah. he worked with some people who who you know made up this archetype because there is something very true about sort of a cowardly um, half ruler who is there to kind of put spokes in the wheel to keep their own power. Yeah, um, second in command now fully in charge and, yeah yeah and not quite uh ready for that he yeah. um he is a bit too note i will say but he's kind of like watching emperor palpatine in episode three where he's he's a treat to see on screen um you hate him all the characters hate him yeah uh, i could have used some more like he just like belligerently hates his son which is which is just kind of unbelievable in in some moments um and he's he's gone pretty much nuts i think they should have made him more insane um besides besides making him hateful it would be interesting if he was actually like um like mental in some regard but he he's kind of teetering on that um yeah he he's when he sends uh, Faramir out to sort of die, it's like, really? I mean, that's pretty, <laughs> I don't know. That just doesn't seem very smart. Like he wants, he wants them to lose in some strange way. Uh, I wish they kind of set that up more, but it seems like the loss of Boromir has fully influenced him. He's, he's just, honestly, I just had fun with uh, Denethor. So many memes. Um, and uh yeah i think his his character serves uh a great purpose his death comical um but also awesome it's yeah, like some awesome. it like it, it's like an an intrusive thought that you want to see happen once you see that <laughs> castle walkway you're like what is going what's going to happen here i kind of want to know i do and, yeah no i do love that that sweeping uh <laughs> You know the the sweeping wide shot where they just pull out and he's fall. You know it's just awesome. It's awesome. That that's why like there's so many moments of the battle that I think that's why it, it probably looms so large in my mind, um, just because it is so cool. So many amazing moments, um, and you know it it really does have like just a sense of of insane scale. Yeah, you look out. Um, I love all of those shots where I feel like I, I don't know about you, but the the effects and everything, you know, throughout the three movies has just gotten better and better by this point. Um, and so, you know, you look out as the the army hordes are are lined up or you're, you know, following following the the ring wraiths and, you know, they're they're flying through the air. It just like something about it looks still to this day, I think looks really, really awesome. Yeah. The wraiths yeah. flying in like they're, um, like they're almost like, uh, aerial planes coming in for like a, a bombing run or whatever that yeah. those shots are amazing. I love the, the kind of catapult wars where they're sending they're the throwing stone back and forth giant stone bricks. <laughs> There's always something new to see. Like yeah. in the battle too. So they start with um, a very small 
kind of guerrilla warfare thing happening at Osgiliath, which I had forgotten how great that scene was. Yeah. Uh, into a retreat where it's sort of like horsemen and dragon. Uh, then they kind of regroup and then there's like the full siege with the catapults and the heads flying over. The, it's like, oh my goodness, this is, there's like a psychological element to the warfare. Mm-hmm. Um, the Both armies, like they're giving it all they got in some regard and then Nazgul come back Gandalf's doing his best to be a commander but uh there's like the kind of the stress of Denethor about to burn his son alive that Pippin's trying to get his attention um and it's all culminating in in losses as the orcs are beginning to take the lower part of the city you're Mm -hmm. really beginning to kind of take that in as Gandalf is basically the only one there that's helping them have any semblance of ability. You basically just see the Gondor guys screaming and crying yeah. in corners <laughs> and stuff. Um, which At least is- with, with Helm's Deep, you know, the, I feel like the, the, the men, quote unquote, the children of Rohan, they were at least like pretty, you know, steadfast. They they held the ground. You, you kind of get where, these Gondor uh, guys. <laughs> you get where uh, Theoden's coming from. He's like Gondor never answered the call, right? You yeah, kinda, it's true. You, yeah. you get that that vibe that the city is a little bit weak, uh, and its best men have died in Osgiliath too, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, because you do see that the the strongest guys out there. That guerrilla warfare part. Those guys are they've got some cool tactics, right? They're hiding behind walls as the, I always, I always think about that scene where the, the orcs are running off the boats and they're hiding behind the pillars and they let them run for a while. Yeah. It's like a tactic yeah. where they like kind of split up their, I'm like, wow, this is, this is so cool. And it builds that tension as well. Um, but then they're, they're obviously outmatched against the Nazgul. And then you have like that turning tide where they they think everything is lost. And then, the riders of Rohan show up and these guys mean business. They're fresh off the win at Helm's Deep. Somehow they have an army who they, it seemed like everybody. No, died. no, they, they, that's what they were, were doing that like three days. They were gathering oh, right, people right. from all the hill villages. Yeah. They they were, they were, they were amassing a new army that's smaller. Those guys pull in, change the tide. And then the, the elephants show up. Yeah. Suddenly the, it flips again. You know, the Nazgul are really messing up people on the floor. Um, all of this is happening with the drama of Denethor trying to burn his son. And there's that great confrontation, of course, before the riders show up with the Witch King and Gandalf. Yeah. And yeah. That's like, I always, that whenever that scene happens, I'm like, wait, I have no idea what's going to happen right now. I was like, I know Gandalf doesn't die, but when his staff breaks, you're like, wait a second. I don't yeah. remember what's next. <laughs> and then, then you hear the riders horns. It is an interesting moment because I've always wondered. I know this is like a, I think this is explained in lore, but not in in the movies. I've always wondered why Gandalf doesn't like, you know, use a little more magic. <laughs> you know, he really right. only uses some light beams and whatnot. I think there is a reason for it. Like the the council said that he shouldn't meddle in you know human affairs, but that doesn't really make sense either. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I always think it's it's interesting. Like that sequence where he's but he's confronted by the Nazgul who who kind of taunt him about that, right? Um and and then break his staff is is yeah, an interesting moment. But like even um Saruman 
I think he shoots a. Doesn't he shoot a fireball <laughs> at the beginning of this movie <laughs> through it at his staff? Oh Sarma. yeah, yeah, that's right. He does have that moment. <laughs> you don't think like Gandalf could do that a little bit, a little bit more? He could Gandalf, throw a couple more fireballs. <laughs> he never. Um, does he ever do like aggressive magic? No, no. never. So yeah. it seems like he's. Uh, especially in the second and third movie, like he's kind of just this harbinger of hope. Um, my favorite quote watching it this time was Pippin saying, is there any hope Gandalf for Frodo and Sam? And Gandalf says there was never much hope, just a fool's hope. And his delivery is like, like he's like, but that's enough or that that's better than nothing. Right. Mm. Um, and like his, his whole MO is hope in this movie. Um, he believes that the world of men and elves can um, rally together to fight. And there's not much of a chance, but he's willing to do the best he can to make it happen. Um, So I think he's a a much more involved character in this film than, uh, than in the two towers. I love his, his like, frustration with denethor Um, (laughs) yeah he's so above whatever small thing denethor is complaining about yeah and uh, and and yeah there there is something interesting about um like their relationship kind of being um one of necessity but also of kind of distrust you know they both really don't like each other all that much (laughs) but you know he there needs to be someone at the head of 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 Gondor, you know. Um, yeah, I think we should mention just while we're, I I did kind of mention Saruman. Um, we should mention the the opening scene with him, which was cut from the theatrical. Um, but I think it is a great, it's a great moment. It's one that I've always missed it's like one of the main reasons i think i watched the extended cuts is like this scene i think it truly is um a shame that they they decided it it wasn't a good way to open the movie also because i think their their reasoning and i i listened to something about this was more or less they wanted the they wanted some of the movies or they wanted the movies to feel like separate um adventures almost or separate mm. um, movements. And so, you know, opening three with the ending of two feels um, like you're kind of it. I don't know. It feels like a little bit muddled. They wanted to set it apart from two and make it like this is the finale. I don't know if that's a very good reason. I think it in my mind like the pacing really works and i love the scenes with uh with mary and pippin uh you know and the kind of celebrations they all come and uh you know (laughs) smoking and and eating (laughs) you know yeah feasting you know there's there's like there's just something charming about that also because they get split up later in the movie you know so it feels like this is kind of a last chance to savor their um their spoils before you know plunging into an even even darker moment um 
Yeah, I don't know. I I I wish that it was kept in the in the original movie because I do think I think it's a very important scene. It is pretty awesome too. You know, you <laughs> get stabbed by worm tongue, falls on yeah. the spikes. You know, it's yeah. Cool. It would make no sense if you didn't watch the second one, though. I can understand that. And in a weird way, it kind of feels like it should be at the end of the second one. And it also wouldn't work as the ending. It is an awkward scene. I don't know how they would be able to work around it. I actually think I could see them. I I get why they cut it. I I, I really do think it actually sort of makes sense um, in making the experience just a little bit quicker for somebody who's not as involved in it. Um, this movie does have a lot, so I could see it be something that was on the chopping block. Um, I, I, in the past, I think I agreed more with you, Cameron, but mm-hmm. on this viewing, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm just kind of waiting for them. It was like, I was waiting for them to like ride off to Gondor, like the whole, the whole like crystal ball scene. Yeah. I was like waiting for that. Right. The kickoff of doomsday. Yeah, wait. Great. How do they do that in the in the regular? There is. There's got to be the party scene still. You know. Uh, yeah, I forgot. Because because the way that they, I was I was specifically watching it. Um, they do an opening shot of them in the rubble of, uh, Isengard, and they meet up with Merry and Pippin, right. And then they do that whole thing with um, uh, the Gandalf, or uh, what's his name? The other wizard, the other white wizard. (laughs) Saruman. Uh, Saruman. They do the whole thing with Saruman. He falls, gets stabbed, and then slowly sinks into the water, right? Then there's another shot of uh, Gandalf kind of looking, or looking, or it's like Pippin is like, uh, walk it. They do a wide, and Pippin's kind of walking around. And then he sees the 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 uh, crystal ball, picks it up, and Gandalf says, "Oh, you better you better give that to me." So I could totally see a cut where you know they reestablish. Here's where our characters are. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know they kind of ride in. Uh, Mary and Pippin say, "Oh, you know, look at us. You know, we're back together, and we won." And then Pippin notices that thing in the water, and Gandalf's like, "Well, you better hand that to me." It's like that cuts out like pretty much. The whole the whole conflict with um, with uh, Saruman. So um, I think it could e- still be set up. It would be interesting to watch uh, the theatrical cut of this movie. But again, it's best enjoyed as a Thanksgiving. This is a Thanksgiving movie, I guess. You know, I keep saying like it's like this massive meal. That's kind of what this is. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's got the whole experience through and through. There's great battles, great moments. Um, I guess we can close out with um, just on the battles because I want to get into Sam Frodo and Gollum and it's in the conclusion of this movie. There's the whole Eowyn thing. Theoden's death was very moving on this viewing um, and the way that he's like approving of Eowyn in the end, kind of the Witch King show off. I remember that being a lot stupider Um, but (laughs) I did like how it's much more brutal than I remember with, um, Mary getting like totally messed up. Eowyn's arm breaks, right? Like there's like a pretty good stress and tension with it. And, uh, I'm no man moment. 
fun. I'd say it's fun overall. Yeah, I no, I I I've always liked that confrontation. Um, I think it's interesting. I love when, like, obviously the big goal is to take down um, Sauron. You know. Yeah. But anytime there's moments where characters can get sort of wins on these these big bads you know it feel there's something that feels good about it you know yeah it's like a it's a nice like audience moment in some ways like even the the you know the general guy um who yeah he's fun fun fact is uh modeled after harvey weinstein oh gosh (laughs) um uh you know even his death where it's like he's going after eowyn and and then, you know, Gimli and Aragorn come and, you know, chop them in half, basically. Like, yeah, that feels satisfying. It was know? cool to see them from a third person sort of perspective where you're not following them. They just kind of mm-hmm. happen to be like those juggernauts on the field. Yeah. That yeah. come through. Like, oh, whoa. There they are. They're like in Battlefront when like someone gets a Jedi. Yes, you know? exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but this movie does a great job of capturing that. You know, there's the... um the ground soldier feel and then like the hero moments and um, you kind of get the ground soldier against the elephants or elephants, sorry, whatever you're supposed to call them, um, where the riders are really getting messed up. And then Carl Urban throws that spear and then you see <laughs> Legolas take out one by himself and you're like, okay, that's like a next level warrior. Yeah. Yeah. Still so only counts as one. Okay. Yeah. What uh, I think, um, I want to jump to Sam and Frodo. Hmm. Sam and Frodo's uh, relationship and with Gollum really stuck out to me in Two Towers. I always felt like that was their best, some of their best moments in the trilogy is the Two Towers stuff. I think that's where the drama between Sam, Frodo, and Gollum works the best. Mm -hmm. This movie, you know Gollum's out to betray them. I feel like what happens with Sam works uh because of the light and the load moment they set it up well where yeah it's like frodo has he like trusts sam again in this movie and so it's weird for him to then again not trust sam um but you kind of need that separation in the in in she loves lair i love i always forget and i love what a good fight uh frodo puts up against she Mm-hmm. I yeah. always forget about that. I think he, I think he gets webbed and that's it. But he actually gets pretty far without Sam, and the regret and sort of the journey that he goes on, throwing kind of Gollum off that cliffside, uh, that haunt. I don't know who designed that, but the stairs, um, out of Shelob's lair, and of course the stairs with. Uh, whatever they are the 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 stairs that they're climbing is just brutal the secret secret stairs yeah. yeah um yeah well i i do want to mention um it is a bit controversial because this is a change i guess they made from the books um where you know frodo would never have sam leave yeah or you know so this uh, you know and so that that doesn't happen um but to me i think it works in the movie um for a few reasons for one i i think there is a great um obviously it's a great moment where sam you know comes like this is like the last hope shelob is wrapping up frodo in a web 
and Sam comes out, you know, and he and he fights off Sheila. Like I, I do love that, um, you know, sort of hurrah moment. Um, but also, I, I, I like the character um, dynamic where you know Frodo has has kind of been slowly inched away from Sam at this point. Um, and their breakup is kind of a cause of a lot of different things, but, but really just a manipulation from Gollum. Um, and you know, it's not that he really leaves. He, he goes back a little bit and then he decides to, to, to go after them. So I, I don't think it's like that drastic of a character change. Like people, people make it out to be like, oh my goodness, like they would never do this. Like this is, you know, ruining the characters. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily see it that way. Maybe I, I would if I had a, you know, deeper knowledge of the books or whatever. Um, but I, I do feel like, I don't know. I think it's an okay change for the movie in, in some ways that plays, you know, it's it's a great scene that plays around it where, you know, he he takes the he takes the the elfin bread and he throws it down the cliff. Like it's it's all these sort of mini payoffs um, that I think I think just work. Um, so I'm not mad about it. And and I think and then also like he has I think, like you said, he throws off Gollum and he has like a bit of regret about like what he did. Yeah. Um, you know, and he, he's, you know, he, I think he says like, I'm sorry, Sam, like I, you know, I never should have let you go or whatever, you know? So it's like, there's, I don't know. It feels like an, a, like a good sort of redemptive moment for their, for the characters, for both of them, for Sam and for Frodo, I guess. And also it sets up this expectation of Sam as the, the sort of, rock carrying frodo through the rest of the journey too so yeah it looks like in the book the difference between the movie i'm just reading right now uh although i do think it does work as you're saying is that sam and frodo go into the lair in advance and Shelob is set up as a character and less as a creature mm-hmm. whom which Gollum had a had a deal with basically saying that like Gollum was spared in the past. So she told him to bring him food in the future. I guess, I guess Gollum is, is less evil in the book. Um, but what happens is when they're both in the lair, uh, Frodo gets ahead of himself after cutting through the webs. Then he gets stabbed and, and, um, Sam is like, no stop. But Gollum sort of, uh, tries to sabotage Sam from helping Frodo because that's his moment. Right. And then you get this weird moment where, um, the, uh, like Sam takes the ring and believes that, um, uh, Frodo is dead and tries to complete the quest by himself. Right. Mm. Which is the whole Sam. Why is the brave thing? And, uh, I think what's different is that he realizes it's a mistake 
when he's going on his own and then tries to save Frodo in the book, um, who was alive. But I think, um, I think that like, there's some weird lore in here. It says like the silent watchers helped him get through the tower. I don't really remember what's happening in that, uh, happens in that tower in the book. Um, but essentially I think the structure of it, of, uh, basically Sam going off on his own with the rings, I gotta do this by myself. Right. And then actually, no, wait, you know, I, this is not the way it's supposed to be because of some supernatural thing that didn't make sense on screen. So I, I think it works overall. Um, I just don't know why they didn't do, they didn't have them go in together in a Mm -hmm. weird way, but I guess it, it builds sort of a tension between him and Sam that makes the last moments at Mount doom really impactful. Um, yeah, there's that kind of like razor's edge of Frodo not being himself, uh, as well as he's tormented through this love how they dress up in the orc outfits as they go along. Um, I think when they kind of strip down and they're, uh, they're barely crawling up, uh, you're, it's just nail biting. You're like, man, what is going to happen with these guys? You can't even believe they made it through the orc army as well. Yeah. Um, you get, uh, Aragorn taking up his mantle as the King and, kind of doing a Hill Mary and being like, let's just, let's just take a big hit at Sauron on the gate. Like it's suicide, but we can do it. Um, for Frodo, for Frodo. And, uh, they have a tiny army that they try to beat Sauron with the stuff with the black gate, um, opening and the armies there. You can see the the tower and the lava and the lightning and the smoke. It's, it's really impressive art direction. It's like straight out of doom or something. It's just, I don't know. I, I think it looks awesome. The nerd in me gets very excited. Um, kind of bothered by the lava in this movie. <laughs> They're a little close to the lava. I don't know what's going on with these Definitely. early 2000s movies, but people are just right <laughs> next to lava. At least George Lucas put the, the shields around it. Uh, lava, I, I don't know if you know this, but lava is hot. <laughs> yeah, lava is like uh, very hot. Um, so... <laughs> And these guys are right next to it. Literally, it's blowing up right next to them uh, in this in this movie. But um, yeah, the uh, the moment where Gollum attacks Sam and Frodo as they're so close, mm. uh, I don't actually don't remember how they get into the place without Gollum there. They I think he, him, they hit him with a rock. Okay, they fight him <laughs> off brutally. Yeah, yeah, it gets really like really kind of like yucky brutal towards the end, which I think really makes it like, there's just this, this feeling of grime and, and I, I just, the moment well, even at the like, end, even, even Shelob, like that is a scary oh, yeah. moment. You know, it's a very like horror movie element to this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Shelob's stinger. Disgusting. Um, and then the the big kind of twist and reveal with uh, Frodo being like, no, I'm going to keep the ring. And Gollum fulfilling his purpose in the journey as well. Mm. Dis- 
disgusting biting the fingers off. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. Like that, it just, it, 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 like it's full force brutality. It's going Mortal Kombat with it. And his, his, him falling into the lava as well. Um, super eerie. The ring sitting on the lava as well. Um, kind of the rumbling with that. So good. So good. And then the eye of Sauron or, or the eye of Sauron in that tower falling with that like mini subsonic explosion. I don't know. Yeah. Like there's just so much about it that that's um, incredible payoff. Uh, Sam's acting in the moments where Frodo just goes full evil my brother and I used to laugh so much at that part. We thought it was so funny. He's like, yes. Like, um, one of the reasons why I love that Lord of the Rings conquest game, uh, that I've been talking about is that you play the good guy campaign and finish the game. But, uh, it basically unlocks a second campaign. That's evil where you play the game in reverse. Um, but it says, what if Frodo got away? So he like that game starts with Frodo putting on the ring and running out the door of Mount Doom and you spawn in as Nazgul and you're like, get him, you know, <laughs> So <laughs> then you then you uh, take out Frodo and you then you go to conquer Gondor and then it's on to Helm's Deep and and the rest <laughs> of them, you know, you take Rivendell and then the Shire. That's the last level is you're burning the Shire. <laughs> In the game, which is great. So it's very um, short because um, everyone from Gondor is dead. It's, it's just a ghost in, town. You just walk right up. And, <laughs> no, no, it's just the same game in reverse. So yeah, clever, clever decision by the devs. Um, the guys laying on the rock and the eagles. You're just kind of exhausted at that point in the movie. You're like, mm. man, this is emotionally exhaustive. They're back in Rivendell. There's kind of the relief all the smiles the the um the crowning of aragorn which is quite beautiful love the white tree in that top uh Mm. in terms of the art direction it's got a flower or it has multiple flowers now um the uh him reuniting with eowyn and not eowyn is it uh yeah arwen arwen my bad (laughs) Uh, Arwen and um, then uh, that everybody bowing to the hobbits. It's great. The hobbits returning and they're back at that bar gut wrenching moment. I feel like, you know, that yeah. it could have just ended the movie there, you know, like there's enough, <laughs> they've got the deer hunter energy right there. And, uh, but it goes a little bit more positive as Sam's like, you know what? I'm brave. I'm going to ask this. I'm going to ask Rosie out. They get married. There's like so much like life happening and restoration. And then Frodo finishing his book, Lord of the Rings and his journey side by side with his dad's book or his uncle's book. I think it's his uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then the, uh, wherever they go, the, the, uh, it's not Rivendell. It's some port of something. I forget, yeah. Oh my goodness. This is this is the moment where the music hits. <laughs> you know, you have the foreshadowing that Gandalf talks about with the um uh there's a quote on here in IMDb. I can pull it up here. 
where uh, they he talks about um, he talks about sort of what like kind of life after death. I think it's really well written, obviously from Tolkien's mind. Um, and uh, let me just see if I can find this quote. Pippin said, I didn't think it would end this way. And Gandalf says, end. The journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one we have to take. The gray rain curtain of this world rolls back and turns into silver gates. Then you'll see it. And Pippin says, what, Gandalf? See what? His white shores and beyond a far green country under the swift sunrise. And Pippin says, well, that isn't so bad. And Gandalf says, no, no, it isn't. I think, I think there's no other better way, you know, to talk about the ending of this movie and kind of the core elements that Tolkien's hitting on and why Peter Jackson captured it so well in this trilogy. Um, Cameron, what do you feel like this movie is saying? And to I guess, what is this movie saying to you personally? And um, how much of that makes this movie ascend to the next level for you? Mm. Well, I think this one especially, out of all of the three, I think this one the most is about sort of how... Um, how the journey of life or the journey of maybe a, a higher purpose um, could ultimately, you know, destroy you and change everything that you know. Um, and I really do think the, um, I, I, you know, I really love the sequence where, you know, Frodo's back and he just doesn't, he doesn't feel the same, you know, he's, he's been, you know, kind of, he's, he's been thoroughly changed by the experiences that he's been through. Um, you know, and, and not just through being a ring bearer, um, but also, you know, because of his, um, because there was something that that he saw. There were things that he saw that he never wanted to see. The things that happened to him that he never wanted to happen, um, and that changed him. And and in some ways, like his, um, there is you know sort of two paths to that, right? There's the Sam path, which is to you know settle down and to accept new you know the new life and and kind of grow and thrive through that and there's the you know frodo path which is to um not be quite satisfied um yeah and so i i do think this movie you know out of all of the three that's that's the thing that i think about maybe the most um with this movie and just the um how how the events you know change um frodo in a lot of ways for the worse um and then at the other end you know how someone like aragorn who you know was kind of 
you know, we're not super sure what he's been doing this whole time before, but you know, he hasn't taken up his full purpose. Um, how by the end of this movie, you know, he's, he's fulfilling what is meant to be, you know, with him. He's, um, you know, he's living up to his, his fullest potential. Um, and the conflict between needing and wanting that and knowing that it might change you irreparably. Um, yeah. So I, I do think, I think that's, that's what I always think about with this movie. I, I always think about the, um, the shot of the four of them in, uh, in the bar. Yeah. And they look around and they kind of just, you know, nobody knows what we've been through basically. You know, nobody knows what we've seen. Um, and it just doesn't quite feel the same. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. That's, that's the, that's the thing that haunts me the most about this movie, especially. So personally, I think what this movie over dramatizes is the pending doom that faces us. And it kind of blatantly says, you know, man, <laughs> the kingdom of men will fall, right? Like, man, like it's, it's, it's a failing lost cause. I mean, this is written by Tolkien who experienced world war. Um, and I think the sentiment and depression of humanity um, is vampant now more than ever. Right. And despite being faced with that, um, there is a lot of power in being hopeful and fighting for what is good. Um, watching this film, I think there's a lot of conversation um, happening all over where it's, it's kind of um, relevant and tasteful to sort of look at events and things happening and being like, well, there's a gray. There's always like a, um, there's a moral gray. And I, I believe that in some cases, right, the, the caricatures that are shown in this movie, like with Denethor, like, I don't think anybody is exactly like that. Um, but I do think that there is like abhorrent, true, like evil that exists in the world. And that can be extremely overwhelming uh, for people to really face. And I think that this movie really takes that on head on and says like, even a fool's hope is better than no hope. Right. Mm. Um, aspiring for better things to come can even be a strong decision um, for the people that can't heal in, in the face of evil as well. And um, yeah, it just, it hit me really, really hard on, on this viewing. Um, I think just thinking about Tolkien's perspective and, and what he experienced and the brutality of World War I is like, it's clearly shown with this. But I think what he does is he sort of builds... Like he shows a fool's hope in in dire situations and you're like, I can understand that. I mean, you can either give up and die 
or have fool's hope. Like that makes sense. But it's interesting how he takes that concept and um, kind of stretches it out uh, in, in the ending of this movie where they are successful. They are victorious. There are all these good things happening. And um, there's like this uncomfortable, like scarring, right? And Frodo, it's not that like, like you feel bad for Frodo, but what really hurts is like this tearing and separation between like friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I've, I've, this movie has, has changed my, um, thoughts on this all the time. It's really, um, I, I know I'm, I'm kind of rambling at this point, but I, I had a moment with one of my friends that I was super close with, um, probably about three years ago. And luckily we're still really good friends. I, I'd tell you that we're, we're really great friends, but there was a, there was a series of weeks where I was hanging out with him uh, and we were probably hanging out like three, four times a week. We were doing a lot of work together. Um, and I had a moment where I was like, this is probably the closest like companionship we'll have in life right now. And I know that's like kind of a crazy thing to say to somebody, but you know, we were, we still are very close. Um, it's, it's, it's my friend Caleb. And I definitely think we've, uh, we've had close moments up until then. Um, but I was hanging out with him and I was like, I'm going to remember this time, you know, I'm going to remember this time. Cause it is, uh, it is closing out. And, um, okay. Maybe I didn't say it was closing out, but I was like, it can't last forever. You know? We can't hang out five days a week. I mean, you know, for a couple of weeks in a row, that that doesn't doesn't happen, right? Um, forever through it, and it's just like, I don't know, like it's like there's like that personal heart wrenching thing, and and um, like that that kind of heartbreak deserves its own hope. Uh, looking forward to to something that's next together, right? I think that when they talk about the white shores and they're going together, it's like there's a, there is like a hope and a semblance of like someday we'll be there. We're not there yet. Um, we still have things to do here. We still have life to live here. That's a very interesting, like, I don't know, like consideration for life after death explored in a movie, uh, with like action sieges and whatnot. And like the nostalgia and the friendship, it's just, there's, it's this, this blend that's kind of hard to put into words. Um, it's why this, this movie is one of the greats and it's why it, it made me cry. And I was like, I can't believe I'm crying. This is so dumb. And then I just cried some more. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Like it was, uh, it was, um, yeah, it's just, just crazy. Anything else you want to add Cameron? Um, no, I mean, I yeah, I'm glad that we, um, I'm glad we watched it. I mean, yeah, genuinely, it it has been a while, um, yeah, since I've watched all three of them, and um, I think it's worth doing every couple of years. I think there's something new and interesting that that comes to me every every time I watch it. Um, yeah, and and I think there are. There is a a profound um, 
a profound message, you know, in a lot of what's going on. And, um, it's a great adaptation, you know, just in general, a great translation from book to screen. Um, yeah, no, genuinely it, it, it truly is one of the best, um, I think adapted, uh, you know, book to movie, you know, series that I, you know, that I can think of. Um, I don't know. There's, I'm hesitant to say that anything will even come close because I think it's done with so much care and love for the source material too. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I um, have high expectations for Dune. Um, But like when you look at the, uh, there's just something about Tolkien's writing and the way that um, this Peter Jackson's crew was able to capture so much of the emotion and like the, the human experience in that, like, like I, I, I look at Dune and it's like, I love it, but it, there's nothing like, it doesn't feel like there's that sort of human, um, thing. It just feels amazing. Like you're watching Mad Max Fury Road, but it's like a dry sci-fi, cold sci-fi experience. Right. Um, I just, uh, yeah, it's like, wow, this movie had me tearing up and had like heart and enjoyment the only other movies that make me feel that way is like, <laughs> you know, uh, what the Irishman and <laughs> maybe silence in some sort of way. But, mm. um, I think silence was more like, Oh, insightful deer hunter <laughs> is probably the only yeah other one that I was sure. like, wow. Except that movie is very hopeless. I feel like there's, yeah, it just kind more of so than this movie, slogs sure. through the muck, which I don't believe is um, real. There's something about this movie where it its ending strangely feels more real. How some people are able to go back to life and success, and some people can't. I I don't know. It's uh, um, yeah, it's really good. Should watch Deer Hunter again. Cameron, can you think of a movie that made you extremely emotional or cry? I know Toy Story Three just wrecked me whenever I watch it, <laughs> and that's just because like loss of childhood is just I don't know, I don't know. There's that is its own onion. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's always a handful of ones that I, um have an emotional response to i feel like her is one that i um feel deeply about i don't know if it makes me tear up or anything um um trying to think i got emotional in in oppenheimer but i'm Mm. not i think i was just kind of overwhelmed by uh (laughs) i don't know like i don't think i've ever seen a movie that captures like inspiration in a way that it does. Mm. I think it's first 20 minutes, 10 minutes or whatever. I was like, this is amazing. But, Mm. um, Paddington, (laughs) Paddington. I don't know. I didn't really cry watching that. (laughs) 
Um, it was very sweet, though. I felt warm and fuzzy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I Particularly music breaks me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Some music just really uh, um, makes it like hurt in a different way. I think Pixar, that's what those early Pixar movies have. Um, Finding Nemo is just like crying music to me. Mm. Um, but yeah, Toy Story and stuff. I feel like we need to have Juzo for this kind of <laughs> conversation. Sobbing. I don't, I do not cry at pretty much. I don't even know. Like I, I'll go to funerals and I'd like dead inside. But for some <laughs> reason I cried about my grandma at the end of <laughs> Lord of the Rings more than I cried at her funeral, which is, mm. um, yeah. There was it's one moment that- outside of five guys that I cried about my grandma. I remember that after I found out or something. Yeah, it's uh, interesting how that can happen where yeah. things remind you of of your life in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that sorrowful note, Gandalf says, has, have a fool's hope. Okay. Mm. You got white chores. We post every Tuesday. We hope you're getting ready for the holidays. Um, and make sure you show some love to your family and loved ones. Uh, or friends, whoever you have that you care about, because they might be going off on a boat to the White Shores, <laughs> and then you can cry like I did, you know. So, um, <laughs> Cameron, <laughs> Cameron's like, you better not die in a car crash after this. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? I know. Yeah, but uh, all right. Well, we'll, we'll wrap up with that. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday, and we'll chat with you then. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.